Welcome to Modern Marketing Messages, the leading podcast discussing the latest and greatest in both online and offline marketing tactics, strategies, and trends. I'm Mariah Kalaji, and today we're discussing 2021 content marketing trends with AmericanEagle.com's VP of Strategic Initiatives, Tim Alanius. Welcome. Thanks. Excited to be here. Yay. We're excited to have you. Um, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Uh, Tim Alanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. I have been with the company going on 12 years now and in the industry for over two decades, uh, which is a, a fun number to start saying. Yeah. Uh, it's exciting to see all the changes that have happened there. Uh, do a lot of work with uh, enterprise client accounts, uh, strategic sales support, and any other strategic initiatives that come up with new services and excited to talk about content today. Yeah, you're the strategy guru. We're excited. So let's dive right in. So, you know, Content trends this year have really evolved given 2021 um, and our past in 2020. So video content is very, very hot right now. What type of trends are you seeing in the marketplace with clients and customers and people you're meeting with? Uh, video is a great medium. Uh, it is definitely extremely accessible now because of everyone having a high quality camera in their pocket, basically. the. Uh, just mobile devices of today have really brought that to a new level. Mm -hmm. And it's also, we're at a point now where you don't have to have a professional level video to show your product off, your service off, or whatever your content material is about. It works for you. And I'd say the biggest one is the short form video. Yes. TikTok is one of the biggest channel uh, uh, uprisings, huge. I would say, huge. <laughs> and I got lost in it the other day and I was just like, okay, this is just, it's fun, it's short, and it really just maintains your engagement in a good or a bad way. And I think what's really interesting is the, the number of businesses who have been jumping on the social media channels like TikTok, like Snapchat even, or Instagram, and actually succeeding with it. Yeah. Um, it's not for everyone, don't get me wrong, but it is for certain industries appropriate. How do you take advantage of that? And I think that's just something that uh, mm -hmm. we continue to explore with our clients. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I saw an interesting statistic. Um, according to the social media today, Facebook live viewings actually increased by 50%, and Instagram saw a 70% increase in live videos. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something a little bit different than a pre recorded video, but the, that live content really can engage with their audience then and there and respond to comments and such. Are you seeing that? In the, oh, in the absolutely. Market? Absolutely. The, the biggest thing that I think that drove that live video feed is it, it was even pre-COVID last year, yeah. right? It was the trend that a lot of people were going to of sharing something live. But I think COVID and the, the shift, especially in the business world, with regards to the conferences that had to move virtual, yeah. it became so much more important. How do you reach your audience and reach them not just with a pre-recorded video that they could watch at any time, but something that they have to tune into. Yeah. It almost became a bit more like the programmed media back in the day when I grew up where Saturday morning cartoons were only on on Saturday. Yeah. I couldn't go into Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime or Disney Plus like my kids do today and just pick a time to watch exactly what they want to watch and skip through to what they want to watch. I had to sit and wake up and have my Cheerios in the morning <laughs> oh, and yes. watch my Looney Tunes. And uh, that just really is interesting to see that live broadcast is coming back 
through these additional channels. And I think it's a great thing because it really captures people's attention. You know who you're really reaching at that time. And it is fun and different because you can't go back and edit it. And I think that's where a lot of industries have looked at both edited photography and edited video as being too professional, too perfect. And a big shift, and Dove has done this, especially with their marketing campaigns, of the reality of today versus the perfect uh, looking ad. And I think that's just where live video brings that right back into the heart of it. Absolutely. And you kind of touched on this is really kind of showing that personal, that humanization across social media and your brand. And, you know, that kind of lends into more interactive content because your audience can then engage with that a little bit more and relate to it, you know. Uh, kind of on that trend of more interactive content, you know, being able, you know, that AR, that digital engagement, more motion graphics to actually showcase your products um, in a live format in that human interaction, I think is, you know, huge. And being able to actually see, you know, a piece of footwear on and walking, Mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that interactive content? Interactive content, especially augmented reality AR is huge. I mean, just what we're looking at for the mobile market size of that for 2021 is $8.9 billion in U.S. dollars. It's, it's amazing. And then the number of active users for 2021 is around $810 million. Oh. I'm grabbing all these stats from Statista.com just as a reference point for where those are coming from for everyone listening. Um, what what I think is a big shift, though, is there was a big push for augmented reality glasses originally, mm-hmm. and that just hasn't taken off like I think people thought. There's virtual reality, and that's completely different. The Oculus of the world and some of the other tools that are out there for you to engage with virtual reality. But the augmented reality and using that, especially with what Apple did with the iPhone, bringing that augmented reality into your pocket, onto your tablet, is incredible. Mm-hmm. And the fact that my wife and I are shopping for a sofa the other day, I can actually place that sofa in the room at scale mm-hmm. through my tablet and we can both see it. It's just a game changer for the way that you can shop for different types of items. There's another one. I mean, Apple themselves on their site placed a, a monitor on your desktop and you can kind of see it yeah. in your workspace. And a great partner of ours, 3Kit, has an incredible solution for that interactive uh, just vi- you know visual elements of what you can create and do and it's so powerful for the experience that you can deliver and that that immersion that you get into the reality of that world it's uh, augmenting in a product even if you take it to the b2b side right that's b2c b2c is always going to be ahead of b2b in the trends of technology however i feel that b2b is catching up a lot faster than they used to with that, I mean, imagine that you are a HVAC repair person and you go in and you can actually pull out your tablet or your phone and you can have the schematic diagram of the board come up and you can see the different parts. You can tap on the one that's faulty and reorder it right there from that mm-hmm. experience. That'd be huge. And that just gives you such a different level of engagement across both B2C and B2B markets. Absolutely. Well, and I know, you know, when you're able to highlight something and, you know, put it into your space, your returns are down. You don't have to worry about, you know, the sizing or the spacing. Mm-hmm. You really got a feel for it. And that is definitely the interactive content that we're seeing. And, you know, also across social media, the interactive content and being able 
to uh, you know sh- shoppable videos when mm-hmm. you're seeing a video and you can go right there and shop for that outfit or shop for that piece of wall art that they're highlighting that is super engaging to audiences as well absolutely and and again that just comes back to give the user what they want to experience and people are getting used to the ability to have technology aid them in these ways mm-hmm. and it the shopping side of it is key. I mean, even when Pinterest and Instagram added the shoppable tags that you could have inside of the apps, businesses saw an uptick because Mm -hmm. that's where they were reaching their consumer in an an area, an app that they spend so much of their day. Absolutely. And when they're in there, why not make it shoppable for them? Video games are exploring this now, which is crazy to me. So wild. To think (laughs) that inside of a video game, I could potentially see like a couch and I can maybe tap on that couch and it opens up an offer to, hey, would you like to buy this couch? And it's kind of different to think about. And I'm not a big gamer myself, but I'm like, well, hey, that's reaching people where they're at. Absolutely. And so how do we continue to find those ways to build those experiences? Absolutely. And finding those channels to sell more as well. You know, that kind of lends into, you know, gaming, you know, the influencers. You know, I think that this year influencers really drove kind of the customer reviews drove customer buying habits and you know leveraging influencer content in 2021 is so key and i think that you know there's an interesting shift between that the large scale celebrity influencers to kind of that micro and nano influencer you know for those influencers that you know have less than 25,000 followers and being able to relate those influencers to your audience i think Mm -hmm. is super important um you know and focusing on you know that brand messaging that creative content that those influencers can bring to your brand absolutely influences are unique opportunity and again appropriate for certain types of businesses not every business can have an influencer out there (laughs) i mean uh i can't think of i mean you could maybe have a plumber who has an influencer out there but uh, a lot of that's more testimonial based. But for the influencers that are out there, I think what's interesting is the amount of marketers to that were going to increase their influence marketing budget back in 2019 was upwards of 40%. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just incredible because that was really an opportunity for brands to find someone to promote for them. And yeah. it wasn't the cost of a celebrity, right? It depends, again, on the level of influencer. And then there's a cost associated. But those influencers have their networks. Those networks have their opportunity to you know, continue purchasing from you. But at the same time, a lot of people don't talk about what what is the lifetime value of an influencer? Mm-hmm. There's customer lifetime value that's talked about as a metric. But has anyone really been exploring how long an influencer will actually bring you a return on investment. Absolutely. And I think that's one area that needs to be explored more because an influencer will have their network. Their network can still grow, but they're going to hit a plateau at some point. Mm-hmm. And you're also going to saturate the market with your branding through them at a point. So mm-hmm. what is that typical lifespan for an influencer to be impactful Absolutely. for your market? And I think that's just where you need to really look at the impact metrics of what's happening there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, be aware of what social platforms they're on, you know, the engagements, I think, you know, with Instagram's algorithm changing and the level of engagement there, you know, varying so drastically over the past couple months, you know, leveraging those influencers in a way that they don't get stale and, you know, 
they can be your advocate. So I think it's an interesting, you know, not only leveraging influencer marketing, but kind of viewing it almost as a partnership with mm-hmm. a brand and developing, you know, more of a long-term strategy, whether it does go stale or a long-term strategy to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that is definitely something in 2021 where, you know, that influencer content, maybe it's not one post, maybe it's you contract and create a partnership over the course of several months to create, you know, a more of a partnership like feel um, for your audience. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's where new products are released and that's where an influencer can have a longer or a new life cycle begin. Mm -hmm. But it's also understanding with a campaign, it's kind of like just regular marketing campaigns. How long does it last before you need to actually switch it up? Yeah. And how do you change that? And should you bring other influencers in as a differentiator too, or look at your expansion of market, mm-hmm. right? Is your influencer really geographically based? Look at all of those different analytics of influence from them to, yeah. to use the same word, but where does their influence end? Where does it tailor off? Find a new influencer in that area. Absolutely. And also generational. Huge. I mean, I am not an influencer <laughs> follower, okay? Oh yes. My, my influencers are, not influencers, they're like mentors. So I wouldn't even call them influencers because they're not on social media doing all this, right? But there's an aspect to generational, what's happening between the generations to then say, hey, this influencer impacts this generation. Great, that's my one of my target audiences. Who's your secondary audience? Who are their influencers? How do you reach them through those people? I think that's a critical thing to just explore and unpack mm-hmm. as an organization. Absolutely. And I think, you know, influencers is such a buzzword, you mm-hmm. know, and it has been. And, you know, kind of touching on demographics, having those user generated content, that, that review stuff. So maybe it's not a specific influencer, but maybe it's a mom in a community that is, you know, touting your brand or sharing it with their circle and their network and being able to leverage those, you know, user, user reviews and, um, using them as your advocate, I think is another take that, you know, maybe is a little bit differentiating from that influencer, but now that everyone's on social media, being able to leverage other people's posts, if they're tagging you in it, encouraging that social connection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just continuing to find that. And also, Influencers don't have to be people. Exactly. Pupfluencing. Pupfluencing. I know you're familiar with that. <laughs> oh, so. yeah. oh, yes. Pupfluencing, I mean, is unreal. You know, I joked when I first got my dog that I wasn't going to become a pupfluencer for my dog. But after a while, I had to. But it's it's wild to see, you know, some of these dogs have hundreds of thousands of followers. And, you know, of course, I'm a sucker. I, I always joke that I love a good targeted ad. Um, you know, I appreciate the marketing when it's due. Yep. <laughs> Um, but pupfluencing and, you know, is just a crazy booming industry, you know, for not only dog stuff, but like for dog mom apparel and mm-hmm. it's wild, you know, it is. And I think that's also where you just have to look at the size of that market too. Right. Huge. So, I mean, the pet market itself and what you can do for the pet industry. I mean, back in 2018, 2019, no, sorry, 2019, 95 billion billion was spent on pets (laughs) well and it's amazing and think about all of the covid puppies that you know Mm -hmm. people got exactly rescued um and you know sharing their journeys and Mm -hmm. their user experiences through you know pet products and just 
that sense of community. I think, you know, even beyond pets, you know, creating that community of your your customers, your user base where they can, you know, hit ask questions and engage with whether it's a product and experience mm-hmm. or what have you. I think creating that that community is something that's really great across social. Oh, absolutely. And you can bring that back to like the videos and what mm-hmm. we were talking about at the beginning. Just the videos in short form there are huge because there's so many. I mean, who doesn't want to watch the grumpy cat videos? I know I'm dating <laughs> myself with that statement, but the there's best. there's others as well that people are in TikTok is another uh, example of where people are posting those and having that opportunity to reach more people Mm -hmm. i think that's just such an interesting way that you don't have to have an influencer who's a person Mm -hmm. you could create an influencer for your brand and a lot of times people call these mascots and and you know uh brand characters in the past but how do you bring to life your brand in these channels how do you give it its voice? Absolutely. And I think a lot of that, a lot of the big brands know and have, right? And a mascot's not always appropriate for every single organization, but there's different ways that you can reach mm-hmm. your different audiences. And that's what you need to explore. And you need to just unpack, hey, yes, my primary audience is this audience. Maybe it's millennials. Maybe it's Gen Xers. Maybe it's the new Gen Z. I mean, right. it's, you know, it's... I. I I see every generation and all the different clients we work with, and it's so critical to not just plan for your primary audience, but your secondary and your tertiary as well. Absolutely. Well, and just understanding how these generations and generational gaps affect how these audience and consumers want to digest that content that you're sharing as a brand, as an organization, Mm -hmm. and being able to pivot across those channels to provide them the content that they want to receive on that platform. Exactly. And I think that's where a lot of organizations don't realize the level of content creation Mm -hmm. that comes into play here. And then after that content curation, I curate that content appropriately by the generation and my audience that I'm targeting. And that audience, right, may still have multiple generations. Because if you're targeting a uh, CMO or a CTO level person, you're going to have people in that role who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Yeah. 70s and you still have to get your content appropriately in the right channel to reach each one of those even though they're all in the same position yeah and the way that they make decisions the way that they research all differ and how do you make sure that you're reaching them appropriately but also understanding the balance of how many you have coming to you typically Mm -hmm. from each of those again bringing it back to data there's so much that you can do with that for marketing And you just, I mean, marketing, yes, there's a huge creative aspect to it. We've talked about the influencers and campaigns and creative, immersive content and interactive content experiences. But at the end of the day, if we can't measure who we're trying to reach and how effective that reach is. What's the point? What's the point? It's huge. I feel like a lot of times, you know, people think that they just need a social presence and maybe there's not a necessarily thought out plan of attack on how you want to reach that audience across, you know, across these platforms and such. And, you know, having data to back your your audience demographic to back, you know, the content that you're creating is so important. And being able to really analyze that data to make sure you're making an impact and then to pivot as you need Mm -hmm. to. Absolutely. And and 
pivoting is huge, huge because in today's <laughs> world with the right data measurement in place you know relatively quickly how well your campaign's doing how well your reach is is reaching mm-hmm. and if you don't look at that data and you just let it go you might be wasting effort in a paid campaign or a paid influencer and so it's so critical to have those points of check-in on a more regular basis and there's a lot of tools that also flag it for you <laughs> um anyways we're we're gonna go in and use artificial intelligence to really help trigger those alerts to us mm-hmm. based off of information that's coming through and we want to just continue to explore that with an organization in their marketing efforts because at the end of the day your marketing is going to be on not only multiple channels that's visual but there's also a bunch of the technical or just behind the scenes marketing efforts that happen and that's with your search engine optimization that's with just different methods that you put into place to understand how your campaigns interrelate with each other link mm-hmm. building we talked about some of the blogger moms before it's just yep. how do you bring those influencers how do you bring those affiliates in mm-hmm. who are referral traffic is huge and you have to do that in your marketing today yeah it has to be integrated across all channels across all platforms with a similar brand voice that speaks to those demographics i think that you you hit the nail on the head right there <laughs> absolutely well i think you know our uh, our word of the day was huge <laughs> content is huge in 2021 yep. and being able to really leverage that engaging content that social content and that immersive content so your customer feels something i think that being able to provide a feeling to that customer that's what's going to really help that in audience engage with you more mm-hmm. absolutely and we have a problem of today right there's a content saturation problem and uh i'll give a shout out to wolfgang one of our our uh, senior <laughs> content strategists here but that content saturation is where we now have to pivot and we have to now focus the content on where it needs to go yep and to me that is huge because there's still so much that can be done with content even though there's such a huge amount of content out there and how do you sift through it all and how do you ensure that your end user is finding what they need to find Mm -hmm. and to me that is where the content strategy programs that we put together here for our clients are not just focused on the written content of the page of a website or in an app but it focuses on all the different channels that you need to be involved with all the different audiences that you need to be targeting in order to ensure that that reach is happening correctly and that voice that generational aspect that we've talked about it has to be discussed because if you don't write it the right way, I'm going to have a Gen Xer who's going to say, this emoji means this. And I'm going to have a a millennial who says, nope, it means this. We talked about that earlier this morning. It's just crazy. I feel like I I date myself as a millennial because I'm the the queen of the crying face emoji. But I guess now that now it's the skull. Oh, yeah. That's that was interesting news to me because that's not my mine was I knew it was the laughing, crying face. My mom thought it meant that they were just crying and sad. And so I would get that emoji. and I'm like, what? No, that's not correct. And uh, you want to hear a great talk about the difference of generations. Uh, Jason Dorsey is an incredible speaker about this, has a whole organization that does research into the difference of generations. And he has a new book about Gen Z, which I'm just itching to read. It's been out for a little while now, but to me, that's where 
understanding those differences, Mm -hmm. understanding cultural differences. When we work with uh, clients in uh, Europe and uh, Middle East and and Africa area and Asia, it's amazing the amount of cultural knowledge Mm -hmm. that we gain that actually can benefit us back here in the United States. And it's, it's great because it really lets you understand that to reach people universally, you really have to understand who they are. 100%. Well, and I think even you know, outside of globally, from a global you know content perspective, I think even regionally, there's something to be said. You know, uh, a targeted ad for the Midwest is going to be different in the West Coast. Yeah. You know, just the way people speak, the way people engage and want to be engaged with varies so much even regionally mm-hmm. here in the U.S. Well, I think of Bells. I mean, they made the no yeah. <laughs> or no yeah golden ale because it's a common midwestern thing and if right. you're not from the midwest you may not understand why they name their beer that but <laughs> it's a great way that they're like hey yeah we're gonna give a little shout out to our midwest i know it's it's wild i mean i'm from wisconsin and so i say oh and you betcha mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know different engaging content there it is it's fascinating just the regionally difference um of audience and the personas yeah. just here in the U.S. No, it's great that you brought it back to that because that is critical that if you are not an international based company, there is still an application for understanding regional differences. Mm-hmm. And that comes into play with your interactive content, too, because your content perceived by someone in the Midwest versus someone on the West Coast, you may need to slightly tailor that. Mm-hmm. And it does mean more content creation. But today, and kind of just wrapping it back up into our beginning conversation about video, people are accepting of a video from an iPhone today. And there's tons of different ways that you can quickly produce that, edit that without a huge production cost. So use that to your advantage because people still resonate with it. And especially on the social channels, if that's where you're going to market, it's not the only place we recommend you market, but definitely a, a, a large one. There's an opportunity where those are great and you don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And the professional level quality is, it has its place. But for so many more brands now, it's so much more easy to create what you need to and quickly get that out there to your yeah. audience. And give you all the feels. All the feels. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your insightful conversation today, Tim. Um, do you want to leave us with a parting thought of 2021 content trends? Uh, 2021 content trends. I think really the introduction of short form video is going to be that much more. We've seen the uprise in TikTok. Uh, Google just released their Threadit for short form video communication and messaging. I think that we're just going to see a continued use of that as uh, everyone is figuring out how to continue communicating. Mm -hmm. And that's both internally as an organization, but also externally to their audiences. So short form video, I think, is the content trend of 2021 that is just going to keep on rising. Looking forward to it. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thanks, Tim. That was a very insightful conversation. I look forward to having you join us again on another exciting episode of Modern Marketing Messages. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to listen in on some more exciting episodes coming soon. This podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios.